0: It's good to see all of you here. Welcome those that are online, watching, and uh, God's going to speak to us, amen, tonight. Teenagers, good to see you on the front row. Let's give the teenagers a hand as they keep holding it down on the front row, amen. Well, we're we're, we're blessed tonight. Last week, Brian gave us an awesome word, and tonight we're going to have another special word tonight. This is a a great opportunity for me to present my brother-in-law. And I'm not going to say a lot. He's going to share a little bit of his testimony uh, before he, or part, as part of the message. But uh, we've known each other probably close to 10 years knowing each other. And then around 2013, he and Marcella gave their lives to the Lord in our church, in our old building. Amen. And then God began to work in him and them as a family. And now he's a pastor in, down in Costa Rica. Amen. And it's just been a tremendous uh, brotherhood, friendship, he's one of my best friends, he's a, he's a great brother, uh, we have an f- amazing relationship, friendship, we have lots of fun together, uh, we watch sports together, we eat together, we talk about the Lord together, what else do you want right there, That's, that right there is just enough, last night we went to a Rangers game together. And uh, it's just just fun uh, having a brother-in-law that is like a brother. Amen. And he is uh, doing great things for God. I'm so proud of him as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, what God is doing in his life. So I want everybody here to make Pastor Jose welcome tonight as he comes to preach to us here in VWO Denton. Amen. Would you let him know that we love him tonight as he comes?
1: How's everybody? I, I always talk too much, so I brought my phone here. Just started stopwatch. So I know that I'm not taking any more of your time that I need to. But I'm super blessed to be here. As, as Pastor Blake was telling you, I am a pastor at Semilla, Costa Rica. That's the name of our church. And I'm a, a, what they call a teaching pastor, which is basically the, the way they call in my church the official Bible nerd. That's basically my position there. And uh, well, Blake told me that he wanted me to share with you my testimony, first of all. And I've done this before here in the old building several years ago. So. If you have heard me tell my story before, I apologize. My, I, I didn't want to bore you today, but I'm gonna try to do my best to do this as quickly and painless as possible. Um, I know that I'm, I'm letting you know right now that I'm a pastor at a church, and um, it didn't start that way. Um, I was what I like to call at that point in my life an agnostic. For the most part of my adult life um, probably around thirty eight years i had um, i'm forty eight right forty eight right now and uh around thirty eight i had no belief in, in the lord at all uh, i grew up in a home where my both my mom and my dad uh didn't believe in god at all they they were they are well they're retired now but they were uh, university teachers and uh, very good people that I love them dearly, but very so much into what you can do and what your mind can do and not so much as um, People of God we would we not raised with God at all in my home. Uh, I remember that um, When I was 38 I was working and I met Marcela my beautiful wife right there in the second row And um, to this day, I have no idea uh, what she saw on me, because basically my life was a wreck at that point. I was drinking heavily, uh, very bad porn addiction. uh, I was into drugs, and basically my life was a complete mess. But what I see now is the grace of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives, in my life, he had a different plan for myself. Right. He was thinking, Jose, you're going to do a completely different thing. Your life is going to be a completely different story. But at that point, I had no idea. Right. Um, I remember that when our youngest, you've probably seen a, a quirky guy with curly hair running around, uh, was born. Uh, Marcela was like, okay, we need to go to Dallas to visit my family. And uh, I have heard at that point that his, uh, sorry, her daughter, uh, her uh, sister, I'm so, I always tell a joke about me butchering English when I need to preach in English. And j- right before I start, started today, my wife told me, hey, please don't say that. You always say that. And now I'm butchering English. Yeah, So it's on her. Well, basically, she told me that Carla was married to a pastor. And you can imagine me thinking, my vacation time, I'm going to go to a pastor's house that I don't know, probably the worst possible idea. So I went, no, no way, we're not going. So she grabbed my son, maybe two months old, and said, if you're not going, I'm going. And she left for beautiful Denton. And I stay home for, I don't know, two three weeks on my own. Um, I've never been so nervous, driving to the airport to bring him back home. And um, between that time, uh, I believe I met um, Blake. He went to Costa Rica to marry uh, some basketball player, I believe. Uh, he was friends with and, and we met at my in-laws house. We spoke very little at that point. And then um, I believe you went again to San Jose at some point. And when, what struck me as, as very difficult to understand was that he was really loving to me. He, he tried to be friends with me first. He never told me anything about Jesus at that point, but he was living it, and I could see that. At that point, I had, uh, Samuel was maybe under a year old, and I met, before I met him, I met Carla, and I met Destiny, and I met uh, Chris, and I could hear them talking about their dad about this wonderful man, about this wonderful dad that I definitely wasn't at that point, and this wonderful husband that I didn't, was behaving like, like that at that point. And I was super curious, curioso, about how is this possible? How is it possible that this crazy guy, cause you know, Christians are the dumbest people, that believe in this fairy tale book it's not possible that he is a, a, a bright, smart, cool dad, super husband. When I got the chance to meet them all together I, I simply couldn't understand. it. It was something that I could see happening but that I couldn't understand how was that possible. At that point Um, and for years uh, at that moment when we uh, at the end a year later Marcela was like okay we're going to vacation to Dallas either that or you're not seeing us anymore so with that type of encouragement (laughs) I decided to spend my vacations here super boring house of the pastor we're not going to do anything in the whole two weeks it's going to be a big mess (laughs) so we get here and he was just the same guy that I met in Costa Rica. He was my friend, Blake, loving. I, I remember that when I got to his house, he told me, okay, um, the only thing is that we go to church, and this is the stuff that we do in my house, and if you want to stay in my house, you're going to do what we do. And, I mean, I'm, I, was a, I, I was not believing in Jesus Christ at that point, but, but I... I'm a man and I can respect a man and his house. So uh, of course I said, yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. And uh, we'll do whatever we have to do. I remember coming to my first ever Christian service in my life. I think it was a Wednesday. I'm not sure because I'm the worst at keeping record of things. I don't remember dates. I, even my kids' birthdays, I have problems with that. And uh, I was standing in the back, then we sit down a little to the back in the old building, and Blake, and I will never forget this, he was preaching a message on forgiveness. On how God could forgive anything and everything you have done, and on how not only that, but that you could Became part of his family and the power of this God he was talking about. He was saying how your prayers and your request for him will found like a like a roof, raso, what's the a ceiling? And that if you were not able to forgive the people around you that have wronged you that it will be like this uh, ceiling for your prayers to him. They will stop him, yeah. That you needed to start by, by being, having this forgiveness in your heart for people. And I've been dealing with a lot of stuff in my family. At that point, I'd have a very lousy relationship with my dad, um, with, my, with my grandparents, um, I don't want to give you boring details, but it was a big mess. And as Blake was preaching on this, I couldn't take out of my mind my grandmother, which at that point I've been saying for almost a decade that I hate because of some family stuff, and I haven't seen her for over 10 years. My mom's mom. And uh, he was talking about forgiveness and uh, how Through the Holy Spirit and through the power of Jesus Christ, I could find forgiveness in my heart for my own family that was supposed to be the people that love me, that I love. The people that now I have a beautiful relationship and this is an extra, but through me becoming a Christian and giving my heart to Jesus, my dad and my mom did that too. And, and we are all going to be together in heaven. And which is the craziest thing to this day. It blows my mind. Is how uh, 70... Uh, no, I mean, it was maybe... Yeah, 78. 78-year-old agnostic that thought that Christians were dumb people now exchanges Bible verses with, with Blake every day, my dad. And the power of God is... It's amazing. So I remember he, well, I, I'm sitting there, and um, he's, he's saying, okay, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to start this journey, I, I don't remember the wording, raise your hand. You need, you need to remember that this is the first time ever I've been inside a church, a Christian church. This is my first service and I, I'm, I'm sitting a little bit ba- in the back, I open my eyes, and he said something that nobody was looking, so I'm checking and peeking. <laughs> okay, it's true. It seems like everybody has their eyes closed. So that gave me a f- very false sense of security that I will learn it a few minutes later. <laughs> and I, I raised my hand, and, and Blake goes like, I see your hand, you can put it down. So I'm like, okay. fe- th- this is great. I'm done. That's it. And uh, then, uh, as you know, he goes on saying, okay, if you raise your hand, uh, and he explains how doing a public declaration of your faith, as Jesus on his own word says that if we renounce him in this life, he will renounce us to the Father. Which is a reason why it's so important for us to do that and to baptize as a not as means of salvation, the baptism, but as means of letting the whole world know that we're in what I like to call Team Jesus. So come to the front. If you raise your hand and I'm like, no way <laughs> I'm okay sitting down right here. And my wife, that I didn't notice at that point, that had raised her hand as well, she gave me the, the old elbow. For ma- married guys, will know what I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, so we both came to the front. And from that point forward, we started our, our journey as servants, slaves. I like to think of myself as a slave. To Christ and uh, I remember going back to Costa Rica and having some sort of a checklist on what to do next I, first I, we weren't married even though we had Sammy already so what that was the, on the top of the list as soon as we got to Costa Rica we, we got married and I started um, um, visiting some of Marcela's friends from high school that they were planning on starting a church, which now uh it's semilla, uh part of a broader group of churches that are all around the world. Our main church is in Mexico City, but we have churches in San Jose, in California, in Tijuana, in North Carolina, and basically what we do is uh teach the the Bible verse by verse. Um, and we're only centered in Jesus Christ, which you have the most amazing pastor for that right here. At that point, I remember asking myself, which is why I choose the name, what does God want for the message today? Because I remember being there, having absolutely no knowledge, starting reading my Bible for the first time, super confused, no context at all, no Bible school at that point, nothing. Just, what is this? And what do I need to do? Is there anything that I need to do now? Anything that God wants me to do? And I will try to, in under 15 minutes, I promise, answer that question for you today. Um, and I I believe that the best best place to start will be at the start, at the very beginning Uh, I'm going to read from the English standard version, so if you have your phones or I I think we're going to put the the verses here, but starting in Genesis 1 from uh, verses 26 to 28 it says, then God said let us make man in our image and I, I would like for you to keep that word in your heads. Image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens. And over the livestock. And over the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man on his own image. That word again. Image. In the image of God, He created Him, male and female, He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds, and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let me ask you one question. Do you think that God needs help to subdue and have dominion over his own creation? What do you think? Does he need help? No. So why? Why? Why would he give this enormous power to Adam and Eve and then us now? Because he choose to. Because he wants to have, I, will, I like to call it co-workers. He, he wants to have a co-dominion. He wants to give us authority over the creation that he made. And when he said, in his image, I was thinking about this, this idea, the image of God. And, I thought that a good example would be to use the, the word image as a verb. As we, this, I, I know that this word doesn't exist in English, but let, give me some leeway, please. So, we can think of ourselves as imagers. Right. Right. I'm an imager. Right. Imagining, that doesn't exist either. God. Yes. What we do, in everything that we do, we are... Like a little image of God walking around doing their business. And I thought of this example. I have a coin, coin here. It's a, it's a quarter. And it has, uh, you definitely can see it, but I'm pretty sure that you have seen a quarter before. And it has an eagle. Right here, an eagle. Which I believe is a, an image, a symbol, that represents at some level the United States as a country. And uh, if I use this coin, I can go from Florida, to the Keys, to Oregon, right there in the border. And I can use this coin, and it's going to represent money, which is n- nothing that I'm talking about, but it's going to represent it in all the land. Everybody will know that this works in this land. So in the same sense, God is making us a symbol of Him to represent Him in all the land. So that every single person in this whole world will know that the light of Jesus Christ is a reflection on us and that we need to do everything that we do, that we do everything according to His plan, according to His will. And in this way, we as imagers, my new word, go about representing God. Why? Because he chose to, because he has the power and the dominion over everything. Because he could just have made creation and then okay, this is the Eden. It's beautiful. And a little it says birds. And Well, I'm a fisherman, a fly fisher, and I know that I could use this part of the dominion over the fish of the sea sometimes. But in a sense, that's what he's wanted. So ask, answering that question, what does God want? I think that the answer is that God wants you. Does he want you to come to church on Sundays? Yeah, most likely he does. But is that it? No. Does he want you to tithe? Yes. But is that it? Can you come to the church and give your money so this works? That I know Pastor Blake's needs it, paying the rent, all the things that but is that it? No, it's not it. I really like the wording, and I don't have the verse here. For the commandment that says that I need that we do not bear the name of the Lord in vain. That word bearing in the original text in Hebrew is the verb for carrying stuff. Is the verb that I will use, I will bear the weight of this. I will lift it. And it has to do with the fact that when the first, the first, um, what's the word in English? I forgot it. The, the sacerdote. The first priest of Israel is consecrated with all these funny clothings and a little vest with stones and a funny hat. And he has this signal, like a coin, in his forehead that says in Hebrew, Kadesh la Yahweh. That means in English, holy and belonging to Yahweh, to God, to the Almighty. So when, when they're talking about this commandment of bearing on you the name of the Lord, they're reflecting on the fact that all the people in Israel and then us are carrying in a symbolic way the name of the Lord in our foreheads, which means that no, isn't, of course we're not going to swear using the name of the Lord because we love him, but it's so much more than that. Imagine God, the reason why God wants you is that every single thing that you do is bearing his name, is carrying the weight of everything that is in his holy book. So all your life on everything and every little detail, how you treat your kids, how you do stuff at work, how you as jesus christ says himself that we as a church will be known by the love that we have each other yes. not by uh, by how many times a month we miss church or whatever is going on in your life but the love that we have for each other yes. so in that way what i want you to understand is that god decided to have a family yes. so what does god want a family a family on this earth. When every single one of us understand this, that our identity and our lives and everything that we do is a reflection of bearing the name of our Lord in everything that we do, that we are the images of God in, on this earth and, th- and that we need to get his gospel all around this earth we will understand that we can feel secure with a profound sense of identity because we have the identity of god we can feel like siblings because we are a family and then when we are securing an identity that doesn't have to do with how we look with the color of us of our skins with how much money we have with how we, f- if we're depressed, if we're happy, if we're ha- if we are liking our jobs, or if we have burdens, if, we- if we're in a difficult time, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with we being the image of God and we having our identity in Him. And at that point, and this is something that I love about this church, that it looks like the family of God should, with people from... Mexico, from Africa, from the United States, well, my wife there from Costa Rica, Landon, which is from the States, but speaks Spanish like a Costa Rican, Pachuco, and you can ask him what that is later. (laughs) That is how God wants his family to be. Every single person, from every single different place, having a human family together. And, well, he's been trying to do this from the start. He tried to do this with Abraham. He tried to do this with the Jewish people of Israel, and they keep rejecting him and rejecting him. And, um, you know, this saying that when you want, I, I wrote it down, if you need to do something right, you have to do it yourself. If you haven't read your Bible all the way through, spoiler alert. <laughs> Jesus fulfills the family of God idea that God has been trying to do since the book of Genesis. Yeah. When Jesus comes to this earth, that's what he's doing. He's telling all the nations in the world, Okay, I want to fix this problem with every single one of these Creation that I've made, and I need to fix it. But in order to fix it, I will become a man, and I am going to fix this myself. Because no one could. I want to read something here. Where is it? Romans 8, verse 18, it says. I'm going to read from verse 18 to 21. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, the family of God, every single one of you and me. For the creation was subjected to futile, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that that creation itself will be best set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So, the sad part is that being an image of God is like a, a, a job description. It's like you get a new job and they'll tell you okay, Brian, you need to do this. You're gonna coach the kids. Um, if, you, if they swear, you will send them home. Um, they need to learn how to shoot the basketball. And then Brian goes to work and he just sit on a bench there and let the kids play and he does nothing. How many of us are like that? So I can be the image of God, but I need to be early in the morning, as soon as I open my eyes, in scripture, in my real life, doing what God wants me to do. And when He says, or when I said earlier that what God wants is you, is all of you, all of your thoughts. All of your life. The jobs that we have, the things that we do, we have that in order to fulfill our true destiny in life, our true job in life. I know that we need to make money. I know that we need to do a lot of stuff. But what we really need to do is take the gospel of Jesus Christ that someone gave us, that that man there and my wife, took a chance on a wreck and gave me that gospel so I can go through everything and everywhere and every day of my life to fulfill my job. But is that job only for pastors or people in ministry? No. Because I am not going to meet the kids that you guys meet at school. And I'm not going to meet your, other, your friends from, from work or whatever you do or the cowboys from the rodeo. So someone needs to talk to them. Someone needs to bring the gospel to the basketball kids on the court. And that is why God has made every single one of us so different. And that is why the family of God looks like us. Finishing, I just want to read you one of a bit of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. When all this comes to conclusion, and at the end, in Revelations 21, verse 1 to 4, it says, and this is beautiful. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Can you imagine this? The plan from the beginning, these beautiful verses about the evening when God was walking through the garden of Eden and the wind was hitting on his face, looking for Adam and Eve. That is what he wanted from the first day to walk among his people, the people that he loves. That is our job now. Think about all the people in the world that has never got a chance to hear about Jesus Christ that are going to miss that. Walking, talking to God himself in the new Eden. And I continue, it says, he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Can we pray? Father Jesus, Thank you for your word tonight. Let us be the images of God that you intended us to be. For every single person here. All around this place from front to right, from left to front. (laughs) If anyone, everyone has yet to commit his life to Jesus Christ This is the moment to do it. This is the moment that we're going to pray in our hearts, surrendering our life to Jesus Christ right now. Pray with me, please. Father, I believe that you were sent to this earth by God that out of the line of David, you came. You become a man, Jesus Christ, that died for our sins, that was buried, and that raised from the dead. Everyone needs to come to terms that you are the only way, sir. And today, It's going to be the day of my salvation. I surrender my heart to you, Lord. In this prayer, I start my journey to become a true imager of God. Amen. And everyone here, I know from looking at your faces and from seeing you, all these days that I'm basically preaching to the choir but why not today we can come all together and if you if you want please come here with me you can stand up and, and look for some room here and we can again dedicate our lives today let's do this together and dedicate our lives to become true imagers of God to go In our ways, in our paths, in our jobs, in our schools, in our homes, with our families. And let the light of Jesus Christ be reflected from us. As we begin once again this journey to bring the gospel of our Lord to every single one. Let this be our main priority, our main job, our main destination. So we can pray together and live together through the plan that from the beginning Jesus Christ had for every single one of us.